So tonight I want to share, I, I, I guess, um, something that's on my heart in this season of Heart for House. And, uh, and, and I think it's something that's going to really impact your life. But um, how about you jump in your Bibles to Hebrews 11? And while you do, I, I just think that you guys are so lucky to have the team that you have leading you here, um, your campus team uh, of, of um, you know, you've got youth pastors, young arts pastors, all the guys. Uh, they're great friends of mine, but they're great leaders as well. And uh, I just want to take a second, because every time I come here, I'm blown away by the caliber of the team here, and I reckon you're pretty lucky. So how about you give a clap for all your campus team? And uh, thank you for letting me come and share, and Pastor Dave, Pastor Beck, uh, campus pastors here, I just think you guys are incredible, and I think you're lucky to have amazing campus pastors like Pastor Dave and Beck, so I reckon we should give them a clap and go, top stuff, um, thanks for letting me come and share tonight. Um, Hebrews 11 is one of those favorite chapters of mine, and uh, if you haven't turned already to your Bible, or if you don't have a Bible, you can download one onto your phone, which is super simple, or it'll come up behind me. But, uh, but I mean, I, I love the fact that you can have a Bible on your phone. I can get it in Portuguese, even, with the app, version. You can get the Portuguese Bible. And every now and again, I, I like just getting a favorite scripture of mine and just sending it in Portuguese to a friend. And uh, just, just sort of encourage you with this today. And, uh, you know, I just think that's powerful. So, hey, look, if you want the same ability that I do, grab version. It's awesome. Um, but Hebrews 11, verse 8 says this, By faith Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. By faith he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, and as did, Abraham, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. Jump down to verse 13, says this, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they had left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. And therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Abraham was living in a tent, but a city was living inside of his heart. Have you ever been in a situation where life's just not turning out the way that you want? Or life's not looking or panning out the way that you thought it would? And, and you're kind of sitting there going, I'm not built for this. I wasn't made for this. I, I, I don't think my life was meant for this. Here's the thing. That right there is the city inside of you trying to speak and trying to remind you that you're not born for smallness. There is something that God has for all of us. There's something that God is doing in all of us. God hasn't forgotten about you. It's not like God was making you. Uh, he made the people around you with a great call and he got to you at 4.59 on a Friday afternoon and he went, oh man, I better pump one last human out and then cracked you out, but forgot to pour it. Like it was like, you know, everyone else was like charisma and personality and purpose and future and my plan for you. And, and, and then he gets to you and he's like, oh, just like lots of body hair. Like, you know, it wasn't like, it wasn't like God made a mistake with you. He's got something big and good for every single one of you. But here's the thing, 
for every single person, the big that God has for you won't be finished in your generation. It won't be finished in your lifetime. So Abraham could have got frustrated at this point. Why? Because he's a man who was living in a tent and didn't have any children. And God came to him and said, I'm, you're going to build a city. You're going to inherit a land <laughs> and you're going to have a child. But God wasn't speaking to where he was right then. He was speaking to where he was going to be. God wasn't speaking into the situation. He was speaking to the city. Why? Because God is an architect. And God was creating an architect inside of Abraham. See, an architect walks up to an empty block of land and sees potential. They walk up to this flat block of land and they can see two-story They can see double garage. They can see massive pool. They can see driveway. They can see it all. You and me, we walk up to an empty block of land and we think, mate, this place needs a mow. (laughs) Oh, uh, you know, some of you might be really crazy like me and be like, I recognize that frog croak. (laughs) I just got into into the frog app. You can actually download an app, record the frogs in your local area. Send it off to them and they'll tell you which frogs by the croaks are in your local area. I love it. I've got five native frogs in my area. There's, there's uh, the dusky toadlet. I can go into it later. But an architect sees potential in blank land. God saw a city inside a man living in a tent. God it was speaking to who he was going to be, not what he was right now, which is good news if you're living in a tent. It's good news if life hasn't panned out the way that you want it to. It's good news if life right now isn't looking the way that you felt it should look because we're trained to think that if you're in a tent, it's too late. We're trained to think that if we're in a tent, we're out of God's will. If we're in a tent, look, God forgot you. But here's the thing. If you're in a tent, it still means God's working. It still means your best days ahead. And for some people here, this is a prophetic word. This is something for your life right now because God wants to say that he doesn't regard you by who you were, he sees who you will be. The greatest days of your life are still in your future. I once asked a, a lady working at Aldi if she believed the greatest day of her life is in a future and a past. It got really weird. But the greatest day of your life is in your future. The best days are ahead of us. But here's the thing, and I feel like this is something that will break something off someone's life today is this. God wants, not only does, does He want you to know what He regards you. He regards you by your future, not by your past. But God wants you to start regarding yourself by what God has, is going to do for you, not your past mistakes, and not by what you think you can achieve. Start regarding yourself by who God called you to be. Start regarding yourself by what God can do in your life. The possibilities that God has for your life. See, Abraham was happy to live in a tent in the promised land more than a mansion in his own plan. He would much rather live in the possibilities of God's power than the possibilities of his power. Why? (laughs) Because Abraham wasn't building for his own enjoyment. He wasn't even going to see the finished product. 
He was building a city for God to be praised and people to flourish. That's why as a church, when we sat here early in the year and we talked about uh, the forward you know, dream of this church is that we would be able to ask and answer a simple question. What is your next step? What's your next step? What's the next thing for your life? We ask this question because it's a city attitude. Because someone who is going, like, I I don't want to stay where I am. I want to take the next step in my life. Is someone who's thinking bigger. They're they're not satisfied with today. Uh, They're not satisfied with with, with yesterday's achievements. They're believing whether they're 9, 19, or 90, that the greatest days are ahead. One of the greatest blessings I have is being involved in a community that I am at Foster Tuncurry is the average age of our church when I arrived there was about 70 years old. But I got to meet people like Tess and Joy, who, who were ni- in their 90s. Eight, oh, Tess is 85 this year. Joy, I had to help remember that her birthday, she had a 90th this year. She forgot. Um, But I sat with Joy the other day and had a cup of tea and she just constantly came back to this place of what God is doing in her and what God wants for her and the brilliance of a relationship with Jesus Christ. She even knows at 90 that there's next steps for her. But this concept of what's your next step goes beyond just growing you, but it's actually helping someone else take the next step. City builders aren't concerned with their own growth. They're concerned as well with the growth of others. This is an attitude that we need around our heart because if we don't have it, it, our life gets to get a little bit dry. Our church will start to get dry. I promise you, if church is is only about your next step and not someone else's next step, that within six to 12 months, you're going to find church really boring. Um, You'll end up treating church like you treat coffee that you'll end up rocking up like you would at a coffee shop and and, and tasting and judging. And and, and you'll go, hang on a second, I don't quite like the taste of that today or that coffee coffee or that brand or that barista isn't to my liking. (laughs) And so I'm going to go to the coffee shop down the road and try and find something better. We do this with church and we end up not going to Bean Hunter but Church Hunter up and we go, well, that pastor... That preacher, that worship wasn't to my liking, and so we start searching down the road for something a little bit better. Here's the thing about church, is that church was never meant to be about you and your own and yours. Church is always better when you're here going, how can I help someone else take a next step? How can I help someone else get better? How could I play a role in someone else's marriage getting stronger? How could I play a role in someone else finding friends in the house of God? It changes the way that you approach it because you're not thinking, hey, if I rock up five minutes late, oh, well, I only miss one song and it might not be up to scratch this week. You're thinking, how can I get there 15 minutes early so that no one sits by themselves? That, that you'll have a different view towards the empty seat beside you instead of you thinking, good, I'm glad no one sits here like a cinema you're thinking, I wish someone's sitting there because I wish I could grow them and get to know them and, and impact them. That's the difference when you start viewing church when it's not just about your next step, but you're trying to help someone else take their next step. When you're an architect, you see the city in others too. <laughs> and so when you deal in faith, 
You deal in futures that sometimes you don't see. When you deal in faith and your next step and the next step for others, you're starting to deal in the futures that they don't see. What I find in life as Christians, and as a Christian, I often believe in people more than they believe in themselves. That I see the future and a greater future for someone else many years sometimes before they see the greater future for themselves themselves. That worked. There was a comma in there. If we had to write it, thank God we don't. But when you live in faith, you go bigger than just building homes, you build cities. A home is about you and your own and your family. A city provides shelter for others. A city is about about a community. A city is about all of us taking a next step, all of us having a home, all all of us having a future. And so when you deal in faith, you go bigger, you dream bigger, you plan bigger, and you see bigger. Abraham lived like an architect in a tent. Everyone else was just an inhabitant. Abraham was building something that no one else could see. Everyone was transfixed on what was in front of them. And when you look at what's in front of you without faith or with faith in just yourself, you're limited by your own effort. And so you have to manage your life either by luck or just a good budget. But when you're living in faith in God, you live as an architect. And you get to live in the unlimited world of the possibilities of God for your marriage, for your family, for your career, for business, for church. Every part of your life. When it's all about your faith in yourself, then you are limited by your own energy. You're limited by your own resources. And you're limited by how lucky you get. But when you're chasing after Jesus Christ... Anything could happen. The, the possibilities are endless. When you've got God who created the earth, what could He create in your life? When you live as an architect, you live in a world littered with the possibilities of God. And your life gets bigger because it stops being about what you can achieve and starts being about what God can achieve, not only through you, but the generations to come. When you're an architect, you're excited about things you're never going to see come to fruition. Some people look at that and go, I'm not in. I'm not building for a life that finishes when I die. I'm building for a life that goes well beyond my life. I'm not a big... I'm, I'm not a big bumper sticker kind of guy. I've never really stuck things to my car apart from when I had a 76 white panel van kind of Cortina. You remember it? How we didn't die in that thing, I'll never know. My dad had to take it while I was at work and take it to the wreckers. Uh, you can have mum's car tonight. today. I'm like, oh great, I get the good car, not drive my bomby thing around. And he took it to the wreckers while I was at work because I loved it, but... The only thing I ever stuck to this car was not bumper stickers, but cardboard fins, which were great and kind of looked semi-cool until they got wet and I'd just drive down the road and they'd just go thump, 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 thump on the top of the car while I drove. But I'm not, not really a bumper sticker guy. I don't want to be the guy with the fish sticker on my car because basically when I was, just got my license, I was a terrible driver. I was angry and I drove fast. And I broke every law that I possibly could. I remember the first time I drove a car with... Uh, with power steering, uh, not power steering, um, well, I, did, I didn't drive a car, car with power steering early on, but with um, cruise control, I just thought this is great and put my feet out the window and drove down the road with my feet out the window. 
Fantastic. It was your car, actually, the Camry. Um, <laughs> didn't seem the type, did I? But the bumper sticker I hate more than any other bumper sticker on the face of the planet is the one that says, retired, I'm spending my kid's inheritance. Because here's the thing, essentially you're putting a big sign on your car saying, I'm valuing my today over my kid's future. I'm valuing my comfort over my kid's future. And in fact, I don't care about what life looks like for anyone else once I'm gone. But architects aren't motivated by personal comfort. Architects aren't motivated by feelings, and they're not motivated by materials, they're motivated by visions. Architects, therefore, find their comfort and their personal comfort in knowing the city they're building will last beyond their grave. Instead of being motivated by feelings, they rule over their feelings, and instead of being motivated by materials, they give purpose to materials. We don't hoard when we are an architect. We're looking to build, and we're looking to put people in that building. An inhabitant can build a house, but it takes a generation of architects to build a city. Because Abraham was an architect, he built the city in his heart, but it didn't stay there. By the time Abraham died, the city was in the heart of his sons, and they became architects. See, architects of faith create more architects of faith, and that's how cities get built. See, the people who started building New York are not the ones still building it. The people who started building New York saw an island that was a blank slate and they dreamt a dream and they started building. They started dreaming, they started drawing and they started building. But you know what? They died. And unless another architect had risen up with a dream in their heart, it would have stayed a small town on an island. But because a generation of architects rose up, we now look at New York the way that we and the way that we see it today. And there's still architects looking at New York, going, "What could we add?" There's still people dreaming about the buildings and improving what we're seeing there. Because more architects got on the job, and we are called to be architects, and we're called to create architects. And so, to be an architect, there's a couple of things you need to do. There's a couple of things you need to be. There's a couple of things you need to have in your life. The first is this. To be an architect, you've got to see it. You've got to see the city. You've got to see the picture. You've got to see the future. You can't just keep staring at the blank block and be limited by, 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 by seeing what's just in front of you. You've got to see the building. You've got to see the potential. When you see the brilliance of the city... There isn't a price you won't pay to get there. I love seeing young people when they get a vision. I love seeing, I, I love seeing a, a, a man who gets a vision for his marriage after being lost for so long. Because once they get a vision, there's no stone they won't turn over. There's no mountain they won't move. I, I, I love seeing the power of a vision in someone's life because once they get a vision, they will never grow tired in achieving it. And there's no price they won't pay. And so we have to get a dream. We have to get a goal. We have to get a picture for the blank slate that's in front of us. You've got to see it. The second thing is you've got to be in it. You can't build a city from afar. You've got to be in the midst of it. 
You, you've got to be amongst the action. You've got to be involved. To build a church, we're not going to build it by coming once a month. To build a church that influences the city and changes the statistics of divorce, of depression, of brokenness, of broken hearts. We're not going to do it by proxy. We're going to do it because we're in the midst of it. We're going to do it not because we we had a great Sunday experience and had dinner with our two best friends. We're going to do it because every day of the week, 168 hours of the week, we saw opportunities and we got amongst our city in order to change it. We've got to be in the midst of it. We've got to be in the midst of this church. But here's the thing. You've got to be in the midst of your family. You've got to be in the midst of your, of your marriage. You cannot build if you're not present. Husbands, wives, parents, the greatest gift you can give long-term to your spouse and to your children is you. So make it your mission to be present. And that when you're present, you make things better. That your wife is a better human because you're involved. That your husband is a better human because you're involved. Bring out the best in your spouse. Make it your mission to make them better. I promise it will bring the spice in your marriage that you've been desiring for so long. For your kids, make sure every time you're around them, you're making them better. Not because you're constantly lecturing them about the things that they don't have or know or need. But, but by, by being an example of what they need to see. By being the person who they look up to and go, if I turn out like you, that's going to be a great thing for me. Be that kind of parent that makes them better just simply because you're there. The greatest gift is that you are present. You've got to be in it. The next thing you've got to be, to be an architect, you've got to see it, you've got to be in it, but you've got to know which part, which bit you're a part of. Are you building the building from the foundation up or are you renovating? It, it's a very important thing to know when you're dealing with a house, what you're dealing with and what part you're up to. The thing is, in church and in life, seasons change. That there's seasons in this church that are gone now, and it's okay. There's seasons in this church that have started, and if we continue to live the way that we're used to, it's going to be weird. It's going to be strange, and it's going to be disappointing. (laughs) There was a time to sit on the bench, and there is a time in life to sit on the bench. It's okay. It's, it's okay to have a season where you, where, where you actually go, hey, look, I, I just need to do some personal development. But there's also time for you to get involved again and get back on the field. There, there's a time to, to, to deal with the issues that hold you back, but there's also time to start working out that overcoming life that you had in your life. There was a time where cynicism was okay, where unforgiveness was okay, where you could live like that. And that, that was, you got away with it. But here's the thing, seasons change. And in Good Life Church, it's a new season. The cynicism, ah, you could have that 10 years ago. You can't have it now. The unforgiveness and the hurt, ah, oh, you could probably get away with it 15 years ago, but not today. Let's deal with it. Let's move on. Here's the thing. And Pastor Dave, he he didn't tell me to say this. In fact, he doesn't know that I'm going to say this. Well, he heard me share it this morning. So I don't want to lie. But there was a time where Pastor Dave would be the one who visited and called you. But it was 2015. 
and we were only one location. But it's 2019 now, and there's four. So you might get a call from Jace Ward or Pastor James Jace Ward. Ooh. <laughs> you, you might get a call from Pastor Rach Gibbs. And it's okay. It's not 2015 anymore. They still love and believe in you. And they're still architects believing in the city that's growing in your life, in your marriage, and in your family. And it's okay to get a call from them and not Pastor Dave anymore, Pastor Beck. It's okay. Because it's a new day. It's a new season. We're doing things slightly different because there's a city to win. There's a big future. There's a big city to build. And so we're going to do things slightly different. We're going to embrace seasons. Imagine the business owner who to start the business 18 hours a day. Well, that's okay. That's what you do to start a business. But it's been 10 years now and your wife wants to see you. She wants to go on a date with you. Your husband, he he, he wants you to watch some AFL with you with him. He, 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 he wants you to be slightly interested in him again, because it's been 10 years. Uh, You've got to understand the season. There's a time in business around season. There's, there, there's, there's different days to do different things. I remember hearing a, a conversation uh, that Pastor Mark Ramsey had with a guy in his church. He saw him. He goes, hey, mate, how's the business going? He goes, I'm busy. He goes, well, if you're busy, you must be rich. He goes, well, I don't know what business you're talking about, but I'm busy and not rich. He goes, what are you doing? Here's the thing he said to him. He goes, how about you double your prices? Because either you're going to be half as busy or you're going to be twice as rich. You've got to understand the seasons. I remember hearing that. I was a young businessman. And I was sitting there thinking, mate, that's great advice. So I went home and I bumped my prices up. Jacked them right up. I only lost one customer, but I made a stack more money because I was thinking, I can't keep mowing lawns for this price for the rest of my days. I'm never going to make any money. I'm never going to take this business forward. And for some people, you've got to understand the season you're in and just be true to that season and go, oh, look, there's a way I used to act, but I'm not going to act like that anymore because it's a new season. The next thing you've got to be to be an architect is to do your bit to bring your A game to the table, to bring your best to the table. See, God has a part for each and every single one of us to play. That's why you're here. Most people think that they picked this church. You're wrong. God picked this church for you. You think that you searched Google and typed in churches in Newcastle and we came up. And you thought, good life. That sounds nice. And so you came here. And then you never left. No, it wasn't you. You think you were scrolling through Instagram and you went, man, their social media is on point. Man, if they look that friendly on, a, on social media, if they take that much care for their social media, man, think about all the care they're going to have for me. And so you think you picked this church. No. No, God put you here. Why? Because there's a U-shaped hole in this church. Your gifts, your talents, your strengths are all things that, that God put inside of you 
and then he put them inside of this church. Why? Because to reach a city, we need as many people with different attitudes and, 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 and different gifts and different people to reach. And so here's the thing, we've all got to be, bring our aim game because you're an important part of the puzzle. puzzle. You're here because God put you here. And I've never seen someone successful in, ever, in anything by being lazy. And so you've got to bring your A game. The final thing you've got to be to be an architect is you've got to build according to the plans. There's actually a way that God wants to do this. And he makes it pretty clear. In fact, he works hard to make sure it's really clear. He wrote a really big book to help you know how he wants you to do it. And when we build according to the plan, God blesses it. When we build our life the way that God wants, not how Triple J wants you to build it, God blesses it. When you build your life according to how God wants it, not how your political party wants you to build your life, God builds it. When you build your life according to the way that God wants you to build your life, not according to your culture or your upbringing or your, or your, or your, God will bless it. There are a lot of people in life I found who are building, but they're not blessed. There, there are a lot of people who are building either stuff God never wanted them to build, or they got the plan from God or the picture from God, then they start building in their own strength, in their own way. And, and how your life looks now is like a, you're the, the block of units where one goes rogue. That's you. Everyone else is a nice gray, and you're a fluoro purple. And you're dragging the cost of all the units down. When we go rogue, it actually doesn't just affect us, it affects others. If you don't build your marriage God's way, He can't bless it. If you don't build your finances around God's plan, He can't bless it. If you don't build your business the way that God wants you to build, He can't bless it. I remember when I started this business, I I started doing it and I was making some money and then I got a thing called a tax bill. And I started thinking, hey, what's some ways around this? And what I found is to make profit so that I could make this business successful, I thought about things that I could do. And so I went, well, that's the line of being illegal. How closely can I walk this line? I remember going to a business event here at Good Life and the guy shared, he said, well, how can God bless you? when you trust Him so little that you're going to break the law just to make your profit. It's like, shut up. So I had to change some things in the way that I did business. He goes, he talks about trusting God for, for, for provision, for wisdom, for ideas to make money more than trusting your ability to skirt around the law. But here's the thing, why would God promote your business and you if you have no integrity? Man, I remember hearing that. Just went, oh, shut up. Integrity is important to God. That's why He wants us building according to the plan. Integrity is part of that. But here's the thing, can I be, I, I used to do this in youth and I talk about being Papa Bear, but I realize that's a weird picture for adults. So can I just be Pastor Ben for a second? Because it's easy to say, hey, look, build according to the plan. It's, as a pastor, I mean, 
it's easy to stand up here with a microphone. Some of you might be terrified of crowds, I don't know. But it's easy to stand here and just go, hey guys, do it God's way. You'll be blessed. But it's hard to do. Because I'm not sitting with you on the Wednesday night when you start doing the taxes. I'm not sitting there on the Friday night where you're alone in front of the TV. I'm I'm not sitting there next to you. I'm not in your shoes. I don't face the battles you face. I don't, I don't have the situation that you have. Now I'm not trying to pretend like my life's easy. But sometimes it's easy just to go, well, just do it God's way. But I also know the pressure of when you realize you haven't done it God's way. And you are hit with this dark reality that you haven't had that integrity or you haven't done it right marriage doesn't reflect the things that maybe you believed 10 years ago to be right and somehow you've justified getting off track on. Those are hard moments in life. But if you choose to do it God's way, there's actually a great blessing that comes with it. And so the pain you feel now of maybe conviction. Maybe that self-conscious become the person that maybe I wouldn't have liked 10 years ago. When you actually do it God's way, you actually step over that. You step into, well, I've got the blessing. I've got the favor of God. And it might be uncomfortable today. But when you're going to bed at night knowing it's not about whether or not you get away with it this year before the Australian government, but you're actually seeing there going, you know what? All these pressures, God's gone. That's a good day. And that's a good night's sleep. It's a good night's sleep when you do things God's way. You don't have those nights where you're stressing about your kids and your marriage and all that when you're doing it God's way. It's a whole lot easier on those dark nights when you're doing it God's way. So what does it take to do it God's way? Well, you've got to be obedient to the Word of God. You know what? I've done a, I've done a social science degree. I know what society's telling us and it's not the Word of God. There's a few things that they're trying to teach us as fact which are really incongruent. And so there will become a point where you have to choose. Will I do it God's way or will I do it their way? It takes getting around people who won't let you get away with stuff. Who will pick you up when you're down. Who won't let you stay down and who will lead you back to relationship with God. And what it amounts to when you do life God's way is you get to live in the blessing of God. When you live as an architect, then you're not stressing about the foundations because the foundation's in God. He told you to build it like that, and you did. So it's going to be strong. You get to live in the confidence of it being in God's hands. But here's the other thing. When you build a city in your life, people notice. You can't hide a city. When when you're building a city kind of life of bigness, of greatness, people don't miss it. Whether it's a dream in your heart or if the skyscrapers are built, it's really noticeable. In fact, I've never ever walked into a skyscraper in my whole entire life and thought, gee, I didn't see that. 
I've never heard any stories of someone going, I was walking through the forest, hit this trail, followed it, and then next second, bam, I just banged my head on, on the Sydney Opera House. Just didn't see it, eh? Man, where'd that come from? No one's, no one's ever run into a city. You can't hide a city if you build it. I remember when Steph and I were driving through Italy, through Sicily, the little football thing at the end of the foot. And we're driving along, it's just hills and valleys and mountains and hills and valleys and mountains. And then we come around into this open valley and sitting on top of, of, of this mountain with sheer cliffs on all sides, there was this city called Enna, E-N-N-A. And no matter how hard you tried, you couldn't miss this city on a hill. We were so impressed. We drove to it. We followed the signs. We figured out how to get there. We drove up. We were so impressed by this city just on top of a hill. But here's the thing. When you build a city, you're as unmistakable as Enna. You're unignorable. Why? Because you can't hide a city. And it's the same for you and I. When your life is a city, when you've built according to the plan, when you've been an architect and you've built what God's asked you to build, not a small life on your strength, but a big life with the possibilities of faith in God. When you build a life like that, it can't be ignored. Your life is different, noticeably different. Even if the city isn't built yet and it's still in your heart, people will notice because you can't build a city while acting the same way you used to. You can't build it in faith in God, doing the same things you did when you weren't walking with God. People will notice the change in your lifestyle. They'll see the difference in your priorities. They'll see the difference in the way that you talk. Hey, you used to gossip heaps. Now you don't. There's things you'd say about people. There's things you'd be okay with joking about that you're not anymore. What's changed? And as a city grows, people start to marvel at the life that you have now. They start to marvel at what your life represents. And we marvel at the people like Abraham. We marvel at the people in Hebrews 11 because when they built a city in their heart, it changed everything that they did from that moment on. In Hebrews 11:6, it says that Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Because unless we're building the city, we're not building the life according to the possibilities and the plan that He has for us. God wants that for us. But listen to what He says in, in verse 13. We read this before. It says, all these people died. Sorry, we're still living in faith when they died. They didn't receive the things pro- promised. They saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they're looking for a country of their own. If they'd been thinking of the country they'd left, they would have had the opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. But get this. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God. Man, God is not afraid to be called their God. Why? Because God is pleased by city builders. God is pleased 
by architects. God is pleased when you're not limited and you don't limit your life to the smallness of your energy and the smallness of your effort and the smallness of what you can come up with. God is pleased when we dream big. God is pleased when we look to the future and go, God, what can you do with my life? God is pleased when we make those steps because someone in love with Jesus wants to build what he's building and they build it according to the plan. He wants people to be in faith to put their faith in Jesus. Why? Because it always ends up good. God's plan for you is good. When we build according to His plan, we build stuff that not only we get to enjoy, but others. And that's why the Bible says to be a Christian, you've got to be a follower, an imitator of Jesus. Because it's a life built in obedience to Him, that when He says, go, you go. When He says, build, you build. When He says, change, you change. That's what it means to follow Jesus, to see where He is, to see what